You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to the Munkinass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Big thanks to Jim Nance, Mike Schilt, and Harrison Bader with Mike Claiborne last hour. In fact, I want to go back to the Bader interview. I was really getting into that just before the news. Let's hear a little bit more before we continue on in our 11 o'clock hour with some other material. This is Cardinals center fielder Harrison Bader with Mike Claiborne. You can find this full interview at ClaibsOnline.com. Um, again, you know, obviously my days revolve around do my best to get in some baseball work and, and work out to just keep my body moving and active. But besides that, it's, it's been a lot of that. You know, I want to go back to something you said about reaching out and I've kind of tried to do that as well. Um, what's it like when you hang up the phone from somebody who never expected to hear from you or was surprised you thought enough of them to reach out? Yeah. I think that I think you hear it in their voice from, uh, from the moment they go, uh, hello? <laughs> yeah, know? they look at the and caller ID that, and say, wait a minute, what's this guy doing here calling me? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also their perspective is interesting, too, because, you know, I, I'm, you know I'm, I'm, you know, in my own world, I'm constantly growing in my own world. But for them, you know, their perspective is, you know, maybe they see me, you know, playing on TV and baseball and they think I'm somebody different or they think that my personality's changed or something about me's changed because of, you know, because of baseball. And that's, it's nice to show people and show some of my friends and uh, that that's not the case at all, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm still the same person, maybe refined in a, a couple different aspects of my life, but, um, you know, the, the, the same kid that was really stomping grounds in New York, I mean, it's the same, it's the same mentality, it's the same kid. So uh, hanging up the phone definitely feels good knowing that I'm probably going to be on my person's mind for at least a couple of days. Yeah, at least. That's all that counts. Hey, you exactly. know, for you, um, spring training is behind you, but I know you work out religiously in the off season. So you, you went through nearly a whole spring training. Now you have this downtime. So what's your workout mode like? Are you trying to prepare for the season, or have you tried to step back a little bit and try and maintain that, that postseason, that offseason workout program? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I definitely have taken the approach of like somewhere in between, you know, I'm not, I'm staying active every day. I'm moving every day, but I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not in that off season everyday mode uh, routine because there's just no need for it. Um, and also, you know, your body can get tired, man. You know, yeah. subconsciously, you know, we, we've gone through cycles um, where my body's not really expecting to be lifting every day for this long. And that can be tiring in and itself. So in some days where I do feel it a little bit, um, I'll just back off from lifting. I'll just go for a jog just to get some just to get some sweat going um but you know besides that it really has revolved all around baseball activity so you know in the off season you, you do a lot of lifts that are just centered around getting strong and whatever um you know now every lift since it started has really been about um geared towards like my swing or um you know like moving around athletically in center field um they, they've all been really to just basically say 
if I got a call tonight saying report to the field tomorrow at 6 a.m. to play baseball, would I be baseball ready? Um, and that's that's all I've really done. So that'll that'll be a lot of just like band work, um, you know, resistance, stuff like that, and just do my best to keep my arm in shape. You know, like I mentioned to you before, I had Polly down here. We were throwing her pretty good, but he's not here right now. So now it's kind of up to me to just uh, do my med ball work and uh, just wait the ball routine um, and just just keep the muscles just just ready to fire when they need to. Nothing nothing crazy. You 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 finished spring training and you felt like I, I know you felt like you had a pretty good spring and I think you started to put some hits together and, and have some really good at bats and and sometimes an at bat doesn't always translate to a hit maybe it translates to a walk. What did you take away from the spring training you were part of that you want to continue to build on so when it is time to go again you'll be ready to go and even be better at it. Yeah, no doubt. Just I you know I had a lot of competitive at bats. Some at bats that weren't competitive at all, which is part of the game. But there were a mm-hmm. lot of competitive at bats in there, um, where you know I worked way, I worked my way back to a three-two count, and I lost the three-two pitch. I ended up striking out. Um, but you know you can't focus on that because it was early. It was spring training. It was inside, it was inside forty at bats. Um, you know I just wanted to just go into spring training, be a be a hard at bat. You know, be a be a consistently solid at bat. Um, you know I. I've realized, obviously, we've all realized that there are a number of ways that I can do damage in the base pass. I don't necessarily have to hit a line drive every time. I just got to get on base and, and find a way to, you know, just, just be a, a, a tough out. So with that said, I think I, you know, I did a good job of that. And again, man, in this time, the most important thing is just about staying, staying yeah. super positive, staying over positive, really. And, you know, it's easy to, to let these days kind of go away. So, um, you know, again, just just staying positive, just just moving around and trusting that when we do pick up, which hopefully will be soon, you know, it's all just going to click right back the way it needs to. We just got to trust it. That is Harrison Bader, the Cardinals center fielder. Good stuff there with Mike Claiborne. Again, that full interview can be heard at ClaibsOnline.com. We appreciate Claibs sharing that with us today, talking to the Cardinals, and we have more Cardinals on the way. Tony LaRussa is coming up next. John Mosellock at the bottom of the hour, and Adron Chambers, who scampered home with a winning run in what is today's game on KMOX at noon, the 2011 classic that will be known forever as the Carlos Marmol game that turned the tides for the Cardinals and gave them a shot. Another open door to make the wild card at the end of the regular season in 2011. All that's on the way on KMOX. Thanks again to Jim Nance, Mike Schilt, and Harrison Bader and Mike Claiborne. Up until this point, I'm Tom Ackerman. Back in a moment on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Uh, we're having a good time, sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Let's look back at 2011 now. So that season was unbelievable, as we know. We've been playing a game every single day here on KMOX. We have one coming up at noon. And manager Tony LaRussa, right in the middle of it, in a season that was so up and down. And it, the point that we started this run on KMOX here was when they were 10 and a half out. Well, going into today, they are three out. But still, with five games to go, it was just Pressure packed every single day for manager Tony LaRusso, the Hall of Famer, with our Chris Raby. We had hung in there playing a little bit of 500, but man, we had so many problems, especially with injuries and, and uh, you know, most notable losing Adam spring training. But then it only happened once in all the years, but Chris and, and Albert got off to slow starts. 
but people kept picking each other up. You know, we had heroes every day. Just, you know, we didn't go crazy, but we stayed at a winning club. And then we got to, uh, you know, July, and uh, and uh, Mo made the trade. It made us deeper and better. And August came along, and, and the Brewers went nuts. So all of a sudden, you know, instead of just being close, we were, and we struggled there for right before, you know, we got hot again. And we just fell so far behind, it just looked like, the club just got discouraged because after all the hard work for four plus months, you know, we were, you know, it looked like it wasn't going to be possible. And the stories are true. You know, we had the dinner, we got swept by LA and the Knights of the Kai flower year. And, and uh, Adam Wainwright stood up and said, Hey, I know these guys and they're never going to quit. And all you got to do is get hot. I mean, he said, just like that. And I think more than anything else, the, uh, it showed the veteran leadership on the team. I think they got together, and uh, at that time, the number we had two priorities. You know, we did not like Cincinnati, and we didn't want them to finish ahead of us, and we didn't want to mess up the you know the respect that we had earned all year. So let's just play hard, and the guys thought, look, treat, treat each game. There's only 32 of them. You know, treat each game like it's the last game of your life for the seventh game of World Series. Feel that urgency, and then. It, and sure enough, once we did that, like you say, uh, beat the Pirates and, and swept Milwaukee. And about that time, Atlanta lost a few games. And, you know, then we started getting, getting greedy. You know, I talked to both Wayno and Carp last week, Tony, and talked to Wayno about that dinner at the MAC and talked to Carp about him addressing the club after the Dodgers series. For you as a manager, what did it mean to have that kind of leadership in the clubhouse? Because... You know, we hear in the media and as fans all the time about closed-door meetings or whatever. You never hear about them when they don't work, right? Or, or when a team limps to the finish. But to be able to know that you've got guys in that clubhouse who know the temperature of the clubhouse, who know when to speak, who know when to pull back, what did that mean to you and, and your staff? And uh, what kind of role did, did those guys play off the field? Well, that's really a great question. And uh, there's a couple, three answers to it. One of them is, you know, I've seen, I've heard it so much way too often that, you know, players are, uh, you know, everybody wants to win and chemistry and leadership. It's not, it's not a big deal that, you know, they're so wrong because the season's so long and together so much that if you had really good leadership, uh, it is a huge difference, difference maker. And just to backtrack as a young manager with Chicago, uh, Carlton Fisk and Greg Luzinski, Jerry Kuzman, guys like that, they proved to me how much you need in the clubhouse once the manager and the coaches go to their, their, their lockers, what the position players say to each, each other, led by the, the leaders, is absolutely critical. Happened again in Oakland, and the whole time that we were in uh, St. Louis, uh, they were the difference makers because our staff year in year out worked as hard every year. But when you had great team leaders and, uh, you know, uh, we had Edmonds, we had Albert, we had, you know, Yachty at that point become a leader. They had them throughout, you know, uh, um, Daryl Kyle, you know, Matt Morris, you know, it goes on and on and on. In the early days, Fottlemeyer, Andy Bennis. I mean, it was, but in that time of year, you're talking about, uh, what it means is that guys in the clubhouse are going to hear a very consistent message from the guys that mean to have the most respect. And when they speak, guys listen. And if they don't, the guys, they get grabbed around the neck and 
make sure they they listen. So it's a it was without that it, you know what would happen in September and October would never have happened. Yeah, you know it's pretty amazing because. Obviously, you know, from a big picture standpoint, when a lot of people and probably people outside St. Louis think of 2011, we think obviously game six, right? Like one of the most iconic games in baseball. But going back through all of these games in the last couple of months of the season, really all year, as you alluded to, there's kind of a different story or a different um you know, chapter for each guy. Everyone contributed in their own way. Everyone bought in. And I imagine that's something that you can't fake. It's easy to say on paper. It's easy to say the right things in spring training. But over the course of a long year, especially when things aren't going like maybe you would draw them up, that isn't always there, is it? No, it's something that's not automatic. It has to be created a priority, and the guys have to work on it. You know, it's it's just really corny. They have to earn each other's respect and trust and show the care. And, And I always include the entire staff, you know, the equipment guys, the trainers, everybody that touches that big, big situation is a part of it. But I think the, uh, the the lesson that you learned is and about that season, if you look at how many times we faced adversity, by, by the time we got to that last test, our guys were convinced that they were tough enough, and it really was unfair in many, many, many places. But they, that's, what they, that's who they were, and they were not going to disrespect it I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. You just go out that day and play and pitch as hard as you can for the right reasons, and then whatever the outcome, at least you can look yourself in the mirror. I already just thought about Tony La Russa and all of those times that we would go over his players, and that sounds very familiar. He was an excellent leader, really was, and it's no coincidence that he won two world championships here in St. Louis and knocked on the door of a third, actually. It's just that he ran into a very hot Red Sox team in 2004. Great to hear from the Cardinals manager. We're talking 2011. When we come back, Skip Schumacher, a member of that club, will be with us next. John Mozalock is also on the schedule this hour. He'll be live. And Adron Chambers reflecting on some awesome plays that he contributed to late in that 2011 season. Back after this, Tom Ackerman, Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday Morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Skip Schumacher, a member of the 2011 Cardinals. He's now the associate manager of the San Diego Padres. Chris Raby catching up with him. Remember the Brewers' Niger Morgan running his mouth a little bit? Actually, not a little bit, a lot. And that created perhaps some bulletin board material for the Cardinals. Is that a thing, Chris asked Skip? It's 100% a thing. And, uh, you know, we, as a Padre coach now, you know, we try to let our young kids know that, you know, Twitter, social media, everything, people read stuff. And the last thing you want is a bullseye on your back. You know, they're, they're coming to get you no matter what. And now if you start talking, you know, now we really want to get you. And um, I'll never forget Nigel Morgan talking. It, it just helped us so much. I'm grateful for it, to be honest with you. You know, at the time, you know, all I wanted to do was, was clear with him. Um, winning was like secondary at the time. I just wanted to clear with him. Um, but it, it just really worked out for us that, you know, the wrong guy was talking. And, um, and it just obviously, you know, John and all those, you know, really good veterans over there, 
were probably was like, you know, the last thing we need is a guy like him talking. And again, it just helped us tremendously throughout the season. How about to skip the rivalry with the Reds in an organization that, that you were subsequently a part of? And I just talked to Tony about 30 or 40 minutes ago, and he said, you know, we were focused. We didn't want the Reds to catch us. And the Reds were saying that they would love to catch you. They wanted to get the 500. But, you know, one of the things that strikes me is how Brandon Phillips, for instance, he goes out of his way to, to praise St. Louis fans and, and the rivalry with St. Louis. And, you know, we get these little pockets of rivalries in the division when, when teams are good and when teams are battling for, for playoff position. And I think from a fan standpoint, it's great. You know, the more the merrier in the National League Central. You want your team to win, but it, it seemed like losing two of three uh, against the Reds after you guys swept the Brewers kind of lit a, a fire under you guys, so to speak, as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, extremely talented team, um, you know, on the mound, you know, kind of underachieving. And then, you know, when there is that rivalry, everyone that comes into St. Louis uh, wants to beat us. I mean, that's just, you know, who we are, what we've done the last few years. Um, and so that's that's the challenge. And, um, you know, them wanting to get – you know, every team at that point um, now kind of changes their goals, right? You have, a, you have a goal in spring training, you want to win the World Series. Then you, when you kind of feel like you're out of it, maybe the goal is to get to 500, maybe the goal is to get to the wild card game, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so the, the goals change, and their goal is to try maybe to Maybe it's to spoil in. a team season, right? Exactly. It could be anything. And so you know that going into it, you know, what the other, the other side's goals are, and then, you know, what you're – but it, it, honestly, you're kind of thinking of, of yourself and your team at that point anyways. And if we don't win, we're out. It doesn't, doesn't matter who it is. Um, and and at that, to me, at that stage, uh, you know, we're just trying to win every single game. Skip, what do you remember about uh, just the way that Tony started to uh, manage the bullpen and the way that you guys had so many guys and, and so many different pieces that were contributing? Because we talk a lot about what you guys were able to do from a lineup perspective and the way Tony was able to roll out different lineups. But, you know, really starting in August, he started kind of the bullpenning, quote-unquote, that has become, if not the norm, certainly uh, something we're used to in baseball. And, you know, he and Dave Duncan and and the staff were able to really masterfully uh, use that bullpen down the stretch and, and get the most out of everyone, it seemed. Yeah pretty incredible what he's done in his career, isn't it? I mean, the, the most yeah. forward-thinking manager, uh, you know, maybe ever of what he did, whether it was hitting the, the pitcher eight or, you know, or whatever it is. Um, but he, he knew what our strength was. And after the Colby Rasmus trade, our strength, in my opinion, and obviously in Tony's opinion, was, and Dave Duncan's opinion, was our bullpen. I mean, our bullpen, if we got through the fifth inning, heads up, because we could match up with anybody um, the dotel Zepchensky trade uh, was, you know, it wasn't big on a lot of people's radars, but now we're matching up, you know, lefty with Prince Fielder, who he, you know, couldn't touch, uh, you know, Scrabble, but, you know, Zepchensky at the time, and Dotel, you know, obviously could, uh, Braun couldn't touch Dotel, and now we're matching up the big boys, um, their big hitters with our with our bullpen, and sixth, seventh, eighth inning now it's just zero, zero, zero. And, you know, Mott, you know, when Mott took over the closing role, um, it was just, it was over. And so we had four or five innings that we could cover and, you know, got, you know, you could always get a day off. The bullpen get a day off because Chris Carpenter's coming right after, you know, that kind of those bullpen days. It was pretty impressive what Tony and Dunk were doing. 
and getting some guys in September when they would come up. Boggs had huge innings. Um, you just one guy after another. Um, we're just having big, big inning after big inning, and just kind of all came together. You know, you, you just mentioned Ma. One of the things that Jason told me when I talked with him was that he thinks one of the biggest factors in all of this was that not only were you guys playing well and you were playing well when you had to, but he said you guys were just having fun and you were having fun and having a good time around each other. You know, in April and in June and in August and in September and in the postseason, and that. There was a confidence in the clubhouse, and there was an attitude in the clubhouse that didn't change. You guys enjoyed spending time around each other, and he believes that was a big part of of why you were able to do what you did. Oh, there's no question. I mean, the personalities with Jake Westbrook and Nick Punto and Lance Lynn, I mean, as tough as he was on the field, he was pretty funny off the field. Uh, Kyle Loesch was incredible. I mean, there's just personality after personality that just all gelled. Um, you know, you had Arthur Rhodes come in that's, you know, was 40 years old and just as loose as anybody, but, a, a, you know, bulldog on the mound. It's just that they could not have scripted um, better personalities with the talent uh, on one team. And especially after that trade deadline, we, you know, obviously made a, a tough trade with Kobe Rasmus, big time prospect and, you know, future center fielder. But what they got in return, um, not only personality wise, but, um, you know, talent-wise was just – it was incredible. And, um, you know, Jason's right. You have to have fun. But, you know, you can only have fun when you win, I, honestly. It's right. not fun when you lose. And nothing is ever funny when you lose. And so those bus rides and all that stuff, they're not fun. They're not fun when you lose. But we got – we kind of got on a roll after that trade, and everyone kind of gelled together. And it was it, the plane flight, the happy flight, all that stuff. Um, that was that was real, and it was it was a blast. It was a blast for sure. That was a good time. That's Skip Schumacher with Chris Raby. Let's bring in the uh, architect, actually, the man who made those moves and put that team together. And that's the president of baseball operations, John Mozalock, who joins us live at eleven thirty-four. You like hearing that? How about how about Skip Schumacher there? What a great name connected to that two thousand eleven team. Yeah, it was funny. I mean, I've only been on hold for about two hours, so. <laughs> I was trying to guess who uh, who was that, that was speaking, and then I finally figured it out it was Skip, but great guy first off. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the things that he was talking about, you know, brought back great memories because um, it really was a team that, that had, like, unique energy and have been a part of a lot of um, winning clubs, but – I will say, like bus rides on that on that team could be very unique, and uh, you saw some things you just didn't know were possible. And <laughs> it really was it really was some of those new faces that we acquired from that uh, Toronto trade. So, you know, I think when you do those kind of deals, you're, you're always trying to hope you get that sort of positive influence in a clubhouse, and um, that deal certainly did. Yeah, I did. I, I did that on purpose. I wanted you to hear that because, you know, it's it's good to hear. I mean, you did. You you were able to, to make some deals and both before the season and during the season. And personalities are a big part of this. I know that you and I have talked about this before, but it's not always about what the numbers say. It's not always about what the metrics say about a player. The human element is a huge part of that. And there's also a very extensive uh part of your research team that does that as well, doesn't it, Mo? Well, you certainly try. I mean, I think, like, one of the things that, that Skip said was, you know, losing stinks. And 
you are part of teams that that sometimes that really does bother a team losing. And, you know, the, the 2011 club did not like to lose. And, and you know, you, they wore it on their sleeve when we didn't play well, when we didn't have success. And, you know, baseball is a unique business because, you know, typically it's, you know, how many games above 500 can you, can you um, achieve? Because ultimately that's going to decide if you're having success or not. In other words, um, the margins are pretty tight. And, and so you have your fair share of losing, but teams that, that truly disdain that or don't like that or, or, or find ways to prevent that are the teams that you can really bet on. And, you know, you ask like how much research can we do to, to understand like how someone's going to fit in our culture and, and be a part of our club. I can tell you that, that we certainly look into it. We've, we've nailed it in the past and we've also had some huge mistakes. So it's, it's far from a perfect science, but you're certainly trying to hedge your bet as best you can and, um, you know, having players that get along is important because, as you can imagine, in the game of baseball, you're together every single day. And so if, if tensions arise or things just aren't going well in the clubhouse, it can be very problematic. And unfortunately, when those problems arise, it, it almost spins out of control to where you have to do something drastic t- typically to solve it. Men, not machines, as Tony LaRusso used to say all the time. John Mozalock with us on KMOX. I do want to ask you about uh, the game of baseball as much as you can tell us about what's uh, going on with the game right now. But first things first, because the important thing right now is the people who are out there keeping us safe. And there are so many. I mean, from first responders to those who are working in grocery stores, to healthcare workers, and on and on it goes, restaurant and delivery workers. I mean, I, we see them every day. And I don't know that, that uh, you know, they kept us safe before this. They've, they've been keeping us safe for a long time, but now they are. And there's an initiative, John, uh, called Rise Up for Heroes. This is a collaboration uh, between the Cardinals and the Blues and others in sharing what makes our region great, raising spirits in St. Louis. This initiative, every other day between Saturday, the, yesterday, through Sunday, April 26th, during the hours of 5.30 to 7, a six-unit caravan is going to parade through the city's neighborhoods in Ford trucks to spread cheer where our frontline heroes work and live. How great is that? I'd love to hear that. Well, to your point, um, you think about all the people that are that are keeping us going right now, and from from the health side to just being able to think about getting your your groceries or food, it's it's really just a, an amazing group of people right now that are, are allowing all of us to sort of get through our days and the pressure, um, the 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 type of environment they're having to put themselves in. So the the Rise Up for Heroes campaign is something that's simply just to recognize all the people that are doing great things for our city and our county and our community. And so for the Blues, the Cardinals to to partner and be a part of this, it's it's obviously very natural. And obviously when you get like Wayno and Petro speaking on behalf of this, it it plays well. And, And so you know, Blues and Cardinals are, are grateful for their fans and, and our community, and we want to make sure that, that we recognize that during a, a, a very difficult time, not only for our city, but our, our, our state and our country.
Yeah, it's really neat. The routes are going to cover these neighborhoods throughout the region. You can go to riseupforheroes.org to see where the caravan is going to come through your area in the St. Louis region as we cheer on our heroes. These are the true heroes. Now, they're uh, asking you to celebrate at 7 p.m. as you see fit every night starting uh, yesterday, April 18th, clapping, singing, dancing, uh, however you want to do that uh, for all of our great workers. Buildings throughout the city are going to be illuminated with blue uh, to light up the city and recognize them. And the caravan is going to follow all of the CDC guidelines for precautions against COVID-19. So please remember spacing, mask use, and we urge the neighbors to do the same. And I know that uh, this has been a time that we continue to adjust. Uh, John, the world is changing and our view of the world is changing at the same time, isn't it? We're just, uh, each day brings us something different. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and you know, I, it, it's hard to focus truly on just the game of baseball right now because anytime you turn on the news, uh, you read things on the Internet, the, the fluidity of, of what's happening um, in our world and in our country, it's, it's, it's moving rather quickly. And changes and how we adapt, I think, are, are something that's critical. But, you know, we're all sort of in the same boat, right? And it's, it's trying to get through each day and, and understanding that, that having that flexibility um, in your life to, to, to allow you to adjust and, and adapt to these ever-changing dynamics is, is critical. But, you know, the reality is, is we're all adjusting to, to this new normal as best we can. And, you know, I certainly can understand that, that you know, people are having trouble with it. Um, geez, I, I don't think I have ever been home for 30 straight days. So, it's, you know, I think we all sort of have um, what we're trying to adapt to. But, you know, fortunately for like my family, we are healthy and um, you know, just just adjusting to our new normal. Yeah, mine too. And, and uh, we certainly wish for the best and reach out to as many people as we can. You can also donate money, by the way, on this site, riseupforheroes.org. You can make a donation uh, for the COVID-19 Regional Response Fund. That's going to direct resources to those disproportionately affected by the coronavirus and its economic impact. Again, that's riseupforheroes.org. John Moselock is with us. Before we let you go, just a a quick thought on, or however uh, much you're allowed to tell us, about Major League Baseball. I know you're in constant communication with the commissioner's office and uh, with your own players, but uh, let us know the state of the game as, as much as you can let us in on right now. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I don't really have a newsflash here. It's, it's, it's really a lot of things are being written about um, and being speculated about on, on what may or may not happen. I mean, I, I think from a very high level, we would certainly love to figure out a way to, to entertain people because we know that is something that our country could really use right now, but you have to do it in a strategic manner that, that factors in, really everybody's health that's involved in this. So there's a lot of um, um, complicated variables to, to pull this together. And I can assure you that a lot of people are working very hard on this to see if it's, if it's even doable. The one thing I, I have reminded people when I, when I do run into them from time to time, as, as I'm out walking um, or catching them on the phone or something, but it is, it is only April and it's April 19th. So, to, to try to salvage something this year, I think is, 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 you know, you can have that optimism for that because I still think time is on our side to do something. 
I don't know exactly what it looks like or how to articulate that, but I do feel like that is one of the things we have for us that, that can maybe help us get through it. Well, I appreciate it very much. And in the meantime, we're uh, trying to do the best we can on KMOX to keep people not only informed but entertained. And that's where these 2011 games come in. We have one coming up here at noon that is <laughs> the Carlos Marmel game is all we have to say. It was just <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I actually looked it up before this game, right? So they're the Cardinals are three games out of a wild-card spot with five to go. Yesterday was the one where Soriano hits the three-run homer to beat the Cards, and they lose 5-1 to the Cubs. The one before that, Mo, is the six-run inning that the Mets had Oh, to beat them 8-6. And oh, that was the one when uh, Recall missed yeah. the double play ball. Yeah, and it just all falls apart. And then the Cubs beat them 5-1. And then Marmol throws a wild pitch in a two-run ninth. Sorry, I just gave away. But that, that is what's going to happen here in this game coming up that's an absolute must-listen uh, at noon. In, 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 in a way, a lot of what September was about, meaning like we were, we were almost like every day mattered. In other words, it was you know almost like a game seven every day. And so I think that really sort of prepped us for October because it became just this like very resilient team. And they, they, like I remember I'd always go in and see Tony after uh, a win, a loss, whatever, but we'd always be doing the math and I'd be like, okay, we live for another day. And and that's how kind of we approached really the last 60 days of, of that year. And I'm talking September, October. And uh, yeah, when you start talking about these little like games, it's like, there was like almost like a play within a play the whole time. And, uh, yeah, I might have to tune in now. <laughs> it's a, it really is something to be able to step back and really appreciate what that team was all about, but also, like you said, these little plays that made up the season, whether they were good or bad, the, the plays that made up the season, the remarkable 2011 story. John Mosaic, thanks so much for the time. As always, have a great rest of your Sunday. All right, thanks, Tommy. Thank you. President of Baseball Operations at the St. Louis Cardinals. Quick break. When we come back, the man who scored that run, but also had some really great plays down the stretch for the team, the speedster, the tough-minded hitter and outfielder, Adron Chambers. Some thoughts and some highlights from his contributions next on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. As we wrap up and get you ready for Cardinal Baseball at noon, the Cardinals and the Cubs from the 2011 season with the Cardinals sitting three games out of a wildcard spot with five games to go. How are they going to do this? You know, they're just going to need the Braves to completely collapse, completely collapse. And then get a little luck on their side. Can they get that today? That's the question. Cardinals and Cubs on the way at noon. Big member of that team. All of them were. I remember Lance Berkman saying, this was a team where you could legitimately say, if we don't have X, we don't win the World Series. Everybody played a huge role, including Adron Chambers. The outfielders play shallow and toward left. With the bases loaded, the pitch, a swing and a drive down the right field line. This goes to the corner. And now Chambers is off to the races. If you really watch that video closely, I almost fell when I hit second base because I was trying to run so fast. I was so excited. Three scores. And then I threw my hands in the air. Terrio scores. But, man, let me tell you, that, that 
that's what that's the logo on my hat. That's my mother's favorite picture. Molina scores. All of my family, that's their favorite hit. Out of all of my time I've played with the Cardinals and other organizations, that hit right there was like surpasses everything in my professional career. It's a three-run triple for Chambers. And the Cardinals are breaking this one open. All of this has happened after two outs and the Cardinals lead. It's a 9-6 game in the seventh. First of all, I threw my hands in the air, praising the most high. And at the same time, it was like you can kind of see me kind of break out of my shell and really, you know, become one with the team. And Chambers is uh, turning into some secret weapon here, isn't he? That's great. See him dive into third base over there? <laughs> That was like my mark, I guess, for me. I was like, yes, because my speed is what everybody knew, and I can hit a little bit. So you was able to see both of those in that at back. I was watching the runner score out of the corner of my left eye, Mike, and then watching Chambers fly around the bases. That's his first big league triple. There's a pitch in for a strike. It kind of set me apart of being like this rookie, even though I was a rookie, but it made me feel like, Coach, I right, whatever you need me to do, I'm ready for it. And uh, both his hits, first two hits in the big leagues uh, have come as a pinch hitter. It's 10-6 with that bases loaded, triple by Chambers. Everybody, whether it was the officers, you know what I'm saying, the people that were working there, it was like a, it was really like a big, family. Swing and a foul off to the left by Punto, the ninth man to bat in the inning. So Stetson charged with three of the runs and uh, Burdock with two. On a three-run triple by uh, Chambers. <laughs> Didn't take him long to get there either. It did not. When I did walk, I had the biggest smile. I got a picture of I got a, the biggest smile. Slap my hand. <laughs> <laughs> the pitch on the way, a swing and a base hit to right center for Punto. It's 11-6 Cardinals. Chambers scores on Punto's RBI single. It kind of made me feel that way when I was slapping everybody's hand. That it was, it was just wonderful, man. It was a wonderful feeling to be. I, I felt like water boy. Slap hands, you know what I'm saying? Like a six-run seventh after two outs. Only goes to the mound. Great comeback tonight, huh? That's how it was. Man. I, I never looked at the game as being like this big business type thing. I always looked at it as being like just a fun game with some extraordinary ball players doing 100 miles per hour. What a comeback. Down 4 nothing, then 4-3, then 5-3, then 5-5, then 6-5 Mets, and now 11-6 Cardinals. I just looked at it as... You know, we had a whole bunch of gifted people just out there having fun, and I was able to be a part of it. He was the big part of the St. Louis Cardinals in 2011. Adron Chambers right there, the team that went on to win the World Series. That Game 7 of the World Series will air here on KMOX on May 11th, but until then, we've been playing a game every single day from the 2011 season, starting with the moment that they were 10.5 out of a wild card spot. They actually were 10.5 out for a while. They were just kind of hanging around. And then suddenly they took off with a couple of big series wins and put them in the situation they are today. So today's game coming up at noon is the Cardinals and the Cubs. Are the Cardinals with just five games left in the season 
three games out of a wild card spot. They need some help. They need things to happen to the Atlanta Braves, and they need some luck on their side. Will they get that today? We shall find out in just five minutes. Thanks again to everyone's contribution on the show. Let me run through this real quick. First of all, to our producers here, and that would be James O'Sullivan and Cole Duggar. Thank you very much for everything you've done today. Our guest today, Jim Nance. He was terrific today. The voice of CBS Sports led off the show, went right into Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, for a few segments on the Mike Schilt Show. Every Sunday in the 10 o'clock hour, the Cardinals skipper joins us, and he was, as always, wonderful today. Thank you, Mike Claiborne, for bringing us Harrison Bader, the Cardinals center fielder. We played some of that at the end of the 10 o'clock and beginning of the 11 o'clock hour, and you can hear it at ClabesOnline.com in its entirety. Tony LaRusa, the Hall of Fame manager, visiting with Chris Raby along with his great uh, infielder, outfielder, utility man, Skip Schumacher, also talked about the 2011 team with Chris. John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations, was with us, and he was very good today talking about to rise up for heroes, that great effort that the Cardinals and Blues are putting together, and also his recollections of 2011 and a little update on what's happening here in 2020, and Adron Chambers right there. That was a lot of fun. You can hear it all on the Radio.com app. Use the Rewind feature. I'm Tom Ackerman. Thanks for joining us on Sports on a Sunday Morning. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.